Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our study of the New Testament. We're working through it a chapter at a time. We, uh, we started a little over two years ago in the book of Matthew. We looked through Matthew, Mark, then we did John, we skipped Luke, then we went back and did Luke, and then and, uh, from the book of Luke, now we're into the book of Acts. We did that together because Luke and Acts were written by the same guy, and his name was Luke. Very good. Hey, it's like trivia. Both the books were written to Theophilus, which means lover of God. Very good. See, you're getting this stuff down because we talk about it a lot. Theophilus, we believe, was a real person, uh, and, and yet... Some conjecture that it was just written to the lovers of God, and that's where that came from, works either way, because it's written to us under the unction of the Holy Spirit, and we are lovers of God, and so it all works out just fine. And uh, the uh, where Luke and the rest of the Gospels recorded for us the uh, ministry of, of Jesus bodily, if you would, from, from birth to death to resurrection... Um, Acts picks up the early church. And uh, it's a fascinating book. And whenever I talk about it, I always want to encourage you to remember that at some, in some ways, and be careful with how I say this, um, the book of Acts continues on in you. We're not writing any new scripture. Scripture's done, closed, finished, boom, it's perfect, fine, just the way it is. But there's something about us as his disciples now um, that as we go out and do the things that Jesus calls us to do and asks us to do, that we are continuing on the church. And, and so we have a direct connection to what's taking place. And, and we're anointed by the same Holy Spirit who anointed the early church. And so we are, we are tied together in that way. We are still the church. And uh, we're still doing the, the work of Christ uh, as his hands, his feet, his body here, um, led by and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, when you read Acts, always try and read it with that connection in mind and um, with, with that whole thought uh, in mind. And, and read it as, as to what you see them um, going and doing as they're led by the Spirit and... Uh, the way that God uses them in a, in a short period of time, literally, to change the world uh, in, in amazing ways. And, and uh, it was just in their obedience and their willingness to serve and um, their, their you know, joy in continuing on in the ministry that Jesus had given them and left to them, uh, which in turn they gave to us. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's the connection that I want to make sure that you see as you read through these things. And uh, we looked last a couple of weeks in Acts chapter 2 as the, the Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came and, and they were filled. And um, Peter preached this amazing message and 3,000 were added to the church that day. And, and uh, uh, they, they were getting together, we read, on a daily basis. They're praying together. They're eating together. They're fellowshipping together. Uh, they're, they're learning together. And um, that's how things started. And let me say again, too, um, I'm pretty sure I said this last week, but I, I, it's, it's one of those things I think is worth repeating. 
the church was doing the things that we do. They were, they were getting together. They were studying together. They were, they were praying together. They were worshiping together. They were eating together. Sound familiar? And we just did all that, right? Didn't we do all that, pretty much? Um, so we're just like them. We're doing just what they did. The only difference between the church that's gone before us and us that, the, that I consider the only difference is, is you see the, the church that's been, um, they're, they're, I believe, doing those same things now with Jesus. They're, they're in his presence. They're, this thing is going on and they're, they're worshiping and they're fellowshipping and they're hanging out, learning whatever, and they're, and they're, 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 they're doing all that stuff that we talk about doing, all right? That we worship, fellowship, all the things. It's, it's going on still for them, just like it is for us. And we have eternity to continue to do those things. The only difference, I only, the big difference between the church has gone on ahead of us and us is that there's something they can't do that we can't. They can't bring any more lost children to dad. They're done. We're not. And so I think that it needs to be a part of our focus in knowing that that's on us. That's what we do. We get to do all those other things, and we would do all those other things forever. Forever. But it's incumbent on us to continue the mission, the ministry, to bring lost children to death. That's, that's what it's all about. So all this is part of the process that you need to keep in mind as you read what's happening and the way that uh, God is moving in the early church. So, we're going to look at Acts chapter 3 today. Uh, pretty small chapter, so it shouldn't take us a long time to go through it. 26 verses. And uh, I'm going to get a drink of water. I'll be reading out of the New International Version. If you have your Bible and want to read along, please do. Whatever translation will be fine. Or you can use the notes. So that all the verses are in the bulletin. And because there wasn't very that many, it's a nice big font tonight which I'm sure some of you will really appreciate. <laughs> when there's 85 verses, it's like... Meep. But I always use a 16.5 font on my notes. Sorry, that's the way it works. Okay. If I went to 18, I wouldn't even have to put these on, but it's okay. Chapter 3, verse 1 and following. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the, men, uh, so the man gave, him, uh, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gates called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people... So I have the... Do you get a great picture of this? So I get this guy who's, who's jumping up and down, and, and he's hanging on to them. He's not going to let them go. <laughs> What's next? 
<laughs> this is my picture. This is, what, what? Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> while the beggar held on to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade, when Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. This isn't a real seeker-friendly message, by the way, but it's apparently what was called for at the time. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers... I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent, men, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes, for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through the holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, so Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit comes and we see them. They're getting together. They're hanging out. They're, they're, uh, they're studying. They're worshiping. They're, they're fellowshipping. They're praying. And um, they're still actively involved in community in Jerusalem. And um, they, they head to the temple at prayer time. There were most likely several prayer times throughout the day in the temple that they would have gone to. And uh, this particular one is at 3 o'clock. It's recorded for us in Scripture. And on their way to uh, pray there at the temple, they, they pass by a man crippled from birth. Now... We get a little more information on this guy in Acts chapter 4 and, uh, and verse 22 and, and, in that it tells us that he was over 40 years old. So, um, which was, you know, in those days that was a fairly good lifespan. Um, he, he'd been 40. He was over 40 and he would sit every day. People would carry him to sit outside this gate of the temple and beg. And this was his life. This is what he did day after day after day after day. Now, why I want to make that point is this. On this particular day, he's sitting by the gate, and Peter and John stop 
and they minister to him in a pretty amazing way. But I think what you need to consider is that guy had been there every day for a long time. I have this feeling that it wasn't the first time they'd ever seen him there. And, and they'd probably walked in and out of that temple a whole lot of times by that gate. Very, very likely that they had. The reason that I make that point is this. On this day, the Spirit of God led them to pray for this man. And on this day, he was healed. And the reason I even make that, because you hear me say, I, I think that, that we're to pray for everyone and that God breaks in and we'll talk about that in Miraculous Maze and we're to have faith. But when there are specific times when we need to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit in the ways that we pray for people, because I've seen people move into situations like this completely inappropriately and it's a big nightmare. And, and it's because they, they weren't looking for any leading. They were just kind of out there a little bit. And I just, I want to make the point that it's important that the early church, you'll see that they're constantly praying. They're constantly looking to God for guidance and direction. They're leaning on the, the Holy Spirit in the things that they do. And so as you read about the Acts of the disciples and the apostles, I believe that, that we're called to even greater things than they did. But... There needs to be a leading that goes behind it. Sometimes people just jump out there and start doing stuff with absolutely no leading at all, and they end up in all sorts of problems and issues. And so you, you want to make sure that you're tapping into what God is up to. Remember, Jesus always said this. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. That's what he did. He only did what he saw the Father doing. And And... I believe in this instance, on this day, at that moment, the Father was up to healing this guy because it was going to get used for, for... Not that God didn't just care about the guy, but at that point then it was going to be taken from there and be used for pretty spectacular purposes. And I think God is very efficient in the things that he does. It's, he cared about the guy, but this day, this time, it all came together at this point because there was more to be done. And um, the, the, the more to be done is this, and you've got to love this about Peter. When a crowd gets around Peter, you know what he does? He tells them about Jesus. That's what he does. And he's got their attention. See, he doesn't... You, you notice that in Acts chapter 2, right? When Peter preached, he had everybody's attention. Because God was up to stuff. Well, God's up to stuff now, and guess what? He's got everybody's attention again. And good old Peter, the one that denied Jesus, the one that was in the constant midst of the struggles about who would be the greatest, but he's the one with the anointing at this point for a lot of this stuff. It's Peter that says, hey, there's a crowd. Let's tell them about Jesus. See, this is new church stuff. This was all new. You know, this was the only, it's only the second one recorded. This is pretty cool stuff. But I, I have this feeling Peter, a pretty excited guy, and he's like, ooh, there's a crowd. Remember what happened the last time we got a crowd? Let's tell him about Jesus. And so he does. And, he, and he, he presents this amazing message because, see, here he's got this miracle that, that can't be denied. You can't, you can't push it away. You can't hide it. Here's a guy that everybody had seen for years, years, day after day at the gate, couldn't walk. Here he is. And he's hanging on to Peter and John. I told you, you wouldn't let him go, right? And he's jumping up and down. What's next? I mean, you've got to see it like that. And Peter goes, I'll tell you what's next. Look at this. 
And then he, he begins his message. And he, he... I love this too, because the, the very first thing he says is, don't look at us, guys. It ain't about John and me. It's all about Jesus. You've got to love that. No credit, no nothing. You know, when, when Jesus would perform miracles, Jesus would say, yeah, I did it. And, and the Father, it's, you know, he and I are one, all those things. Peter and John are real quick to say, it's got nothing. Don't look at us like we had it really. And it was all by the power of Jesus. It was all about faith in the name of Jesus that made this possible. That's why he's standing here like this. And then he says, oh, and by the way, you guys killed him. The one who did this, you cut off. And, and you've got to know that gets their attention. It was, still, it was only 50 days plus from the, the resurrection, the crucifixion, the, all this stuff. The ministry of Jesus, the powerful ministry of Jesus for three years that had been heard of around the world. So they knew. They'd heard. And now here's still things happening. And he uses three very descriptive terms of Jesus in these verses. He, he refers to Jesus as, as God's servant, his servant Jesus. Um, Peter refers to Jesus as the holy and righteous one. And he refers to him as the author of life. And I think that's the one with the most irony, the author of life. Because, um, get this, he's telling them, you killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. You couldn't finish the job. You couldn't do it. Still, still going strong. And here's the results. And so they're, they're, they're convicted. Again, the Spirit of God has convicted them. They immediately see their, that what, what's happened. And they're witnesses to the power of, of, of Jesus and what he's still doing now through his disciples. And you've you got to know, just like in Acts chapter 2, they're like, well, what do we do? And I love that Peter then comes in because he's, he's just said, hey, you're, you're guilty and he says, but there's good news. Because Jesus is still for you. All you got to do is repent. Now, it's, now you repent. And uh, in Acts 2, it was repent and be baptized. Acts 3, it's repent. Um, uh, but they were baptizing people all the time. It's an important part of what takes place and, and, and part of the story. But in this one, he just says you need to repent. And, and when you do, it says your sins will be wiped out and that you may experience times of refreshing from the Lord. So they were, there was a way in. Because, you know, I'm sure what they were thinking was it was too late. They'd missed it. They'd missed their opportunity. There's still a way in for people who would repent and believe and be baptized in the Lord Jesus. There was still a way, and there still is a way, and there was a way still for Israel to come in. And, and then that brings it into a, a whole other discussion in, in the last few verses. Because now Peter connects Jesus... Um, prophetically to Old Testament prophecy and the Old, uh, Old Testament prophets. And uh, Peter portrays him as the New Testament Moses, Jesus, um, in fulfillment of prophecy from Deuteronomy. And uh, it, it, he, they quote some of it, but I, I got it all, and I want to read it to you. Deuteronomy um, 18, 15 through 19. I couldn't tell if it was 13 or 18, you know? Anybody? Can I get a witness? <laughs> I just wanted to give you the right one. <laughs> the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. This is Moses. You must listen to him. 
For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire any more, or we will die. The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command them. If anyone does not listen to my words, that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. And so, um, uh, Peter makes this connection with Jesus and, and this prophecy. And then he goes on and he says, and, and all of the prophets were basically speaking of this messianic age, if you would, this coming of Christ in one way or another. Now, I, I'm going to close with this again. We've talked about this, but it's always worth talking about some more. It's, a, it's the kingdom of God concept. When, when Jesus came... The first time he inaugurated the kingdom of God. Remember, the kingdom of God is defined as the rule and reign of God. His, his right to rule, his right to reign, it's, it's always what it means. It's his rule and his reign. When Jesus came the first time, he inaugurated that reign. And, and the kingdom is here, in fact, but it's not fully here. And, and it's going to be fully here when Jesus comes back. And so, the kingdom has been inaugurated, the, the prophesied kingdom is inaugurated, but it hasn't come fully, and yet we live in a tension that we call the now and the not yet. And in this tension, we experience the kingdom in some measure, but not in the fullness of what it's going to be like when he comes back. When he comes back, everything gets set right. You need to know, when he comes back, everything is set right, and everything is restored to the Father back the way it was always intended to be. But for now, we live in this tension, uh, this harvest season that we're in. The, 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 the kingdom is not fully here. And, and so there's still forces of evil at work. There's, there's the stuff that we have to deal with in a broken world, on a you know, fallen world on a broken planet. There's all these things we have to deal with. And yet the kingdom of here is here at some level. It's, and, and so the kingdom is broken through. It's just not fully here. And I, you know, it's equated in the scripture to a, a taste um, and, and um, I, I like the picture of a taste, and I know I've talked about this, but, but keep getting it. So, so there's, um, if, if, if there's a big meal going on, and you're not invited, but they give you a taste, that's not bad. It's not as good as the whole meal, right? Because when, when we were little kids, my, my parents would entertain, and we were never invited. I don't know why. Look at me. Really, how could you not have me? And they would always want to pass us off on a can of SpaghettiOs for dinner. And all day long, food had been being prepared and baked. You know what I'm saying? And you know the how, how, and you're like, you're a little kid. You know that SpaghettiOs ain't quite getting it. <laughs> and so, and so, we would get a taste. We wouldn't get the whole meal, but we'd get a taste. And I'm telling you, the taste was always better than the SpaghettiOs. I know it's SpaghettiOs, but I'm giving you SpaghettiOs. All right, so, um, so it would be a taste. All right, so in, in the same picture, we get a taste now of the kingdom that we'll experience forever. And it's good that we get a taste. It's cool. It's valid. It's a real thing. The taste is just, it's, it's, it's a part of the deal. It's just not the full meal yet. And, and how that ties in is, is how we move in faith, I think. See, the, the promise of of the kingdom coming 
And, and my understanding of, of that whole process that, that I hope that makes sense to you, because we talked about this in Give Us Today the Bread of Tomorrow, is that, that when we pray, and just like these guys would pray, um, the, the, the idea that we're drawing from is, Jesus, when you come, you're going to set everything right. Everything gets set right. Everything gets set right. And, and you're going to do that. And the kingdom is here at some measure now. So, God, we're asking you right now to break through with the promises of forever today, with, with the power of forever today. We're asking in faith for you to break through in these situations now, and he quite often does. And, and so that's the basis that we do these things. So as we're out ministering, and as, as the Lord then leads and directs you by the unction of the Spirit to go and pray for people and do these sort of things, so I believe he calls us to do this stuff. It calls us to go out there and pray and and ask God to do miraculous things in faith because He's gonna. And we ask Him to do it now. And that's a legitimate ask. It's all good. But this is the the whole concept of the kingdom uh, and and it spins through the the church and you need to see it taking place and see the kingdom break through when those miracles happen. It's the kingdom in the present breaking through into what's taking place so that the kingdom might be advanced and, and to the glory of God. So all that's happening... In Acts chapter 3, in those 26 little verses, lots of neat stuff. It's time to close, so I'm going to end it there. If you're watching by video, thanks for watching. Uh, If you need anything, you can call or write us. We'll try and do whatever we can for you. We're going to pray here and call it a night. If you have prayer requests, why don't you pass them up to me?